You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Adi from Gate 7 International. Going to be joined very shortly by Costas Llanos and Costas Levoyanis. But before they get here, why don't we go ahead and get started, ladies and gentlemen? If you haven't done so already, please hit that like and subscribe button at the bottom of the screen. Please follow us on all of our social media channels. Please help us grow this Olympiacos community to be even bigger than it already is. We're working our way up to a thousand subs already on YouTube. The platforms are getting bigger and bigger every day. So we really appreciate it, guys. And if you haven't done it already, please hit that button. Uh, it's a little bit of housekeeping real quick, guys. Olympiacos DC, the spring season is about to kick off. And they have a bit of a teaser a little video teaser coming up that uh, you guys will, or will really like. And they started last season a little bit, but there's a documentary that they're going to be coming out with, kind of following the players, the coach, uh, and everything that's going on there. It's a lot of fun. It's really well done. Uh, Sebi does great work. You can follow him at Visual Equalizer. So check those out as well. Additionally, guys, uh, New Year, great chance for you to join a HEPA as well. If you want to help out your local Greek communities, get involved in some great things to help the Greek diaspora and help further the Greek cause, go check out your local AHEPA chapter. Visit ahepa.org. And we did tell you guys we had some videos coming out. Sorry about the delay with those. We do have a Fadiga deep dive that uh, is some – it was taking a little long, I should say, to edit everything, but that will be coming out shortly. And we also have a video, a very timely video about Pedro Martins that we told you about and his time here at Olympiacos. Again, the editing process is pretty much done, so you'll see both of those videos very shortly. And lastly, thank you to our sponsor, Piraeus International. Piraeus International is your one-stop shop for all your international transshipping needs. If you need anything shipped to or from Greece, wherever it needs to go, please give our friends a call, 410-675-4696. Or send them email to sales at piraeusintl.com. And his timing is always perfect. Here is our good friend, Costa Silianos. Costa, how are you doing, buddy? Hi. Hello, Ari. Uh, timing was not perfect, actually. I was a few seconds late, and I do apologize to you and the lovely audience about it. Uh, the, uh, no one would have known otherwise, but as honest as usual, we love it, Costa. You got to be feeling at least relieved, right, with the result today? I don't feel anything, to be honest with you. I feel like um, <laughs> I've said this before. I've said this before. Um, uh, as a Premier League reporter, I feel like maybe I'm a little spoiled right now. Like if you spend so right. much time eating, you know, eating eating beef bourguignon, and then all of a sudden you have to eat McDonald's until the cows come home, then, you know, the, the, the difference is quite something. 
this is just really bad football from both sides as well. I mean, it's not like Olympiacos are playing against some top side that you would think you should have done better there, dude. Just no imagination, no system, no understanding of what the manager is asking, no understanding of what the players need to play. 3-4-3 three, three is a formation. I've said it, I think I've said it before in the show that you just you just can't play that system without really good fullbacks. I mean, this is this is the uh the broken record moment from Costas that we have from in in every show. Olympiacos need fullbacks, and there's yeah. one formation you cannot play without really good fullbacks, and that is three, four, three. And I think we're seeing it with the uh, current players. Uh, this squad has a lot of quality, but it just doesn't gel. Nothing mingles. Nothing clicks in that squad. Uh, I'm, Costas, Costa Levoyani has said that uh, the reason why this is happening is because there's a lack of preseason. Well, the reality is there was a preseason this season contrary to last season when there was zero preseason and last season's team was much better than what we're seeing right now. Uh, but still, like, I mean, there is, because of COVID, there is a lack of continuation, a lack of um, organization, lack of smoothness into how the team develops. And I think that might be the result of why this team is just not clicking. Pedro Martins has got his uh, his contract extension. He's got the time now to... Uh, to right the ship. The reason why he got the contract is because Olympiacos are still uh, easily dominating the league, even though they look like absolute uh, crap. Uh, so a lot of time to change this around, but uh, lots of important problems in this team. I cannot see this team eliminating Atalanta. I doubt there's going to be a double from this team. And Pauk could get better next season because they got a technical director. Finally, they do. So Unless Olympiacos start making some serious changes and some serious preseason, some serious coaching, next season could be a real uh, drama. I I definitely agree with you there. A couple of comments here already from Spados. Todd Cantwell to Olympiacos loan. Spados, we will get into this a little bit later after the post-match. We're going to round up a couple of uh, different transfer items. Um, From Aguilos. Important Yes, very important info. It is. About Cantwell. Yes, we have a lot of exclusive info for this transfer window. So things are, uh, the network is getting bigger, boys. We got some fun stuff for you. And from Aguilo Scoots here, first 15, 20 minutes, I expected us to concede with how all over the place we were. Yeah, I, it didn't look good. We'll say that. We'll, we will definitely say that. And from Jake Lulas, hello from Adelaide. That game was horrible. We have to wake up at 4 a.m. to watch these games. It's becoming a really hard watch. Yeah, it it really is. Now, Costa, you already kind of um, went into it a little bit, but the the three four three, what mm. can this thing ever just go? Like, it, can it please go away? We started the match with the three four three. Everybody across the the globe, different continents, were all saying the same thing on social media. Oh my god, everyone predicted what was going to happen, that it was going to be ugly. We were going to not look good. We were going to invite pressure. And that's exactly what we did. At one point on Nova Sport, they threw up a possession statistic, and it was 72% to 28. Mm. That is disgusting. And look, we're just going to put that out there because somebody's always going to come in and say, oh, these, these derbies are tough. Yes, derby games are tough games. But there is still a certain level that we expect from Libyakos. Right. And in that expectation, is there anything where it's 
excusable that we get so dominated in possession that it looks like how we played against Manchester City? Absolutely not. Not from any team in Greece. I don't care if it's Balk, Ike, or Panathinaikos. Is it okay to play defensive in a scheme? Yes, it is. It is okay to going away to to be maybe a little bit cautious. But, I mean, what we saw in that first half especially was something else. Not just were we inviting pressure, but we looked panicked. I mean, players, instead of passing the ball, settling it down, just clearing things out. I mean, so disjointed. That first half really, really, really looked ugly. I wasn't happy when I saw 3-4-3. 4-2-3-1, I have been saying it all season, is our best position. Statistically, when you look at it, everything. It is the best position, and I think that there is not more. I don't think there was a bigger argument for that than what we saw today when we made the switch at halftime. We made the switch at halftime. We went back to a 4-2-3-1. We took Usain Uba out. Bukalakis went into the midfield. Now, Bukalakis will touch on that in particular because there were some divisive comments about Bukalakis all over the place. But we switched back to a 4-2-3-1. And even though maybe it didn't make a better end product for us, what it did do was give us way more possession, dominate the midfield more, and at the same time, we were much better at limiting the types of opportunities they had against us. Well, um, you're more of an expert on uh, formations than I am, uh, but I do want to say this about the 3-4-3s, that it's a very sophisticated formation that uh, demands a lot of possession, it demands a lot of tight spaces, it demands a lot of pace, especially from your fullbacks. And do, do correct me if I say anything that's wrong. At least that's what I learned from Antonio Conte at Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea right now and it's a formation that demands a lot of quality from your players and it demands a lot of a lot of chemistry from your players to make it work it's kind of it's a kind of formation that demands like you need to be on it throughout the entirety of the 90 or 120 minutes right. on the pitch and Olympiacos are not that kind of team mainly because they again broken record but we don't have quality fullbacks if you don't have quality fullbacks there's one formation you definitely cannot play and that's the three four three formation now to the 4-2-3-1. Yeah. I cannot agree with you more there, Ari. Was it you who said that um, in the academy they're preparing them for the 4-3-3 formation? Was it you who yes. gave me that? That's correct. In the show. I think it was you. Yeah, it was you. And, and you're absolutely correct on that. But the 4-2-3-1 is the system that has been cemented at Olympiacos' identity because of Ernesto Valverde. Because Ernesto Valverde taught this team to play with the number 10. It started out with Fernando Bellucci in 2008-2009. Then it became. Then it was David Fuster. Then it was Chori Dominguez. Then it was Costas Fortunis. Then Fortunis got injured. But still, Olympiacos never stopped having really good attacking midfielders like Mathieu Valbuena and Agibu Camara. The thing about managers is that when they get an idea in their head, there's a lot of them who will insist on on keeping it up because they just they just feel like it's it's going to work at some point it's going to work if you just keep 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 pushing it it will work eventually and martins has the luxury of pushing in the greek league cuz olympiakos are going to win it with uh, you know on first gear uh and and i remember like felipe scolari for example when he uh, back in euro 2004 with portugal when he insisted on playing with a uh, with only one striker against greece when the stats showed that uh, when a team plays with only one striker, they lose to Greece in 2004. 
he insisted on uh, playing with one striker. When he brought Nuno Gomez on the touchline to come in, everyone expected that he's going to play with two strikers. But instead, he brought Pauletta out, brought Gomez in as his, as his sole striker. Managers can be weird in this way. Uh, Pedro Martins is a really good manager. He, I, I, I insist that he wants what's best for Olympiacos. But on this occasion, as things stand, you cannot play 3-4-3. And you got to go back to the 4-2-3-1, which is what which is the system and the formation that's been cemented in the, the club's identity. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Now, before we move on from the formation itself, because I did want to touch on a couple things within the game and some player performances. Uh, there's a comment here from Fethano. I feel like all the games we've played in 2022 have been preparation for Atalanta. Like we're playing with 3-4-3 counterattack against inferior teams like Bauk. How much of this do you think is preparation for for Atalanta? Uh, did it work? I mean, you're playing against Pauk, one uh, who are not a good team. I'm sorry to say this. They are not a good team. Not that Olympiacos are a good team either, but Pauk are not a good team. How did that work with the counterattack there? If you can't counterattack against Pauk, how's that going to work with Atalanta? Right. Look, I am right there with you. Uh, I will say the, the small caveat is that Last season, when we used the three four three in Europe, I guess it looked it did look good, you know, in Europe, and it it did look good against uh, Fenerbahce this season. But I think that's the only time it's really looked good. So I I am it, it, look. It wouldn't surprise me, I should say, if it looks a little bit better uh, when we play against Atalanta. But at the same time, I am. I, I'm just not a fan. It just doesn't, if it's, if we can't execute or do well against teams in Greece or, or Balk, for example, right. I, it just gives me, it doesn't give me much hope. And just to, to further bring at home the point you brought out about, we need really good fullbacks. Look at what happens when you don't have a, or when you have a fullback that isn't a top tier fullback, right? How many runs did Adruzos make today? And the ball got to him, but his really shitty first touch just killed him. And th those could have been, if he had a better first touch, if he had a little bit better technical ability, we could have had a couple of really solid opportunities out of that right flank, our right flank, I should say. So for me, it's I'm go away 3-4-3 three, three. at this point. I don't see, it's already low probability as it is that we're going to beat Atalanta. I'd rather do it with the formation that we've had the best that we've had the best results in that we've had the best statistics in. So roll with the four, two, three, one. I don't care. I'm done with this three, four, three experiment. Uh, now moving on, of course, going more into the, the game itself, we saw two things that changed. As I mentioned already at halftime, we went from the three, four, three to the four, two, three, one. And then Buhalakis came on for Hussein Uba. So now how much, of that adjustment to formation or how much of the adjustment to the formation or of the person do you think attributed to our adjustment or, or our ability to maintain possession better? Was it more the entrance of Bukhalakis who I want to touch on because he's been a very polarizing figure for fans or was it the system change? I feel like Bauk as well, uh, kind of, um, decreased in terms of tempo and possession they uh they weren't as dominant they weren't they, they, there wasn't as much bite in the way they played as there was in the first half 
So I don't think it was much about Olympiacos improving as much as it was about Pauk uh, uh, sh- showing a much less inferior, uh, putting together a much less inferior performance in the first half. Mm-hmm. Bukhalak is not everyone's favorite player, but he is very important in midfield in the way that he runs the pace, in the way that he keeps the line together. He has some, he rubs off the, the right way on his teammates as well, I believe. They do, I think they do look up to him up to a point. They do feel some sort of uh, serenity when he's there, some sort of security perhaps. And that's important on a team. That's something that we usually uh, disregard, the way that players feel like when one player is not on the pitch and doesn't have to be your superstar player. It could be just um, just, uh, just someone else. Like I said, I just it was just a very disappointing performance. Nothing, no imagination, no tempo, no system, no formation, lack of understanding what the manager is asking, lack of understanding what the players need. I, I didn't see much of a change, to be honest. But I didn't understand that late change that included uh, Mathieu Valbuenan. Who's the other one who came on? It was Valbuenan. Who else came on in the final minutes? El Arabi uh, came on as well at one point. Uh, Tiquinho came off. I mean, if Tiquinho came off because there was an issue with him, then fair dues. But surely you're chasing for a goal here. Surely you want to hit them. You're still chasing for the win because this is a derby. Let me make yes. one thing clear, though. Pauk will never be Olympiacos' biggest opponents. I don't care how tight the title race is. They will never be Olympiacos' biggest rivals. That title always belongs to Panathinaikos. Uh, and to be honest with you, Olympiacos will never be Pauk's biggest opponents because that title belongs to Aris. Ask any... I, I'd be very interested. I, I want the chat to, um, to contribute with this. If we have any fans from Salonika, which I'm not too sure we have, but if you ask a Pauk fan from Salonika, what would you prefer? Olympiacos winning the, the title for the next five years at least? Or Aris winning the title for the next five years at least? What would they respond to that? What would they prefer, Olympiacos or Aris? That's why Aris will always be their uh, their biggest opponents. I've actually never thought about that question. To be fun. I would I would be curious. I like I I know we've had a handful of fans from Thessaloniki in here here and there. I'd be curious to get their input on that. Um, do, I do see a couple do. more. I see a couple more comments about Todd Cantwell. Uh, guys, we will touch on this. Uh, we will touch on this later after the post-match coverage. So uh, we will. I promise you guys, we will touch on that. We always absolutely, do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there uh, was a couple other ones. Let me pull up some of these other comments real quick. Uh, from Lifer, Lifer828, Bukhalakis and Kamara, tragic performances. Um, I don't... No. So, you see, here's the thing. Well, look, Bukalakis first, right? Bukalakis in build-up or when he has the ball at his feet, the common complaint is he's very slow. Um, but the problem that we find ourselves in as a team is that Bukalakis, guys, is our best defensive-oriented midfielder that we have. He's the one closes that closes down the passing lanes very the, – the best, I should say, currently. Yana Vila was really good at it last season, but ever since he caught COVID, he's been, you know, a little bit different, or I, I should say tracking back. He sits mm. back more, so he doesn't have to cover as much ground. We know that long COVID gives you some issues in terms of respiratory issues. So um, it's it, it's tougher for him. So Bukhalakis has been that stalwart midfielder 
that the real, I guess, more six ish player that's been able to close a lot of those lanes down, get a lot of the interceptions, things that he leads at. Madi hasn't been as good at it either. So a lot of our midfielders have regressed in that. And we've seen when Bukalakis does play, or does not play, I should say, there's a gap in the midfield and it sometimes collapses. So like it or not, unfortunately, this this is the reality. So as much as Bukalakis's possession and his lack of ability on the ball for some people, I should say, that he is the best that we have in the midfield at breaking those plays down as a defensive midfielder. So he has a place on this team, and it's why he continues to have a place on this team. As for Mahdi, again, if we're comparing the performances that we're seeing, especially this performance as well, to what we're used to seeing from Mahdi uh, last season, season before, or even you know the, when the first season he came in, then yes, it's not it's not as good. It's not good enough. But today, I think, was better if we're comparing today's performance to performances of Mahdi that we've seen in the recent past. Still a lot of issues, like that Masudas run that he completely missed on the break. Masudas was darting. There was a great opportunity for a through ball there. Old Mahdi would have taken the risk, even on his off foot, to play the ball. And the Mahdi that we've seen this season is not as innovative, we'll say. What are your thoughts on those two? Well, I think you uh, you hit the nail right in the head there. Um, there seems to be just a general uh, discomfort with the uh, three four three formation. I've mentioned that uh, Bukalakis is not everyone's favorite player, but is important the way that uh, he runs a few plays, especially on the break, especially not on the break. Sorry, when uh, when Olbiakos are on the defensive, when it comes to defensive midfielders, he's probably your best shot right there. I guess you could go and sign someone else and. You could uh, fix that, but at, at present, Bukalakis is probably your best option. When it comes to Madi, it's just you know, it's been a it's been a steady decline in terms of performances. Last season and the season before he and the season before that as well, he was on fire. Uh, everyone was talking about he, how he might even uh, how he's going to be a huge sell. Uh, he earned interest from the uh, Premier League. I remember Sheffield United and Watford. We're interested in Madika Mara, and it's not easy to get interest from the Premier League, let me tell you that. Just a steady decline right there, and the Madi we knew would have uh, had a field day against that uh, elephant graveyard, as I call it. And I understand that I'm getting, I'm, I'm giving the impression that I'm anti-Pauk, but the reality is I'm not. On the contrary, I believe that Pauk missed a huge opportunity this season to at least take Olympiacos to the bone. Because oh, Olympiacos yeah. are so poor this season. Pauk could have, if Pauk had made two big signings, and I'm talking goalkeeper and striker, they would have taken Olympiacos for quite a ride this season, all the way to the playoffs. It would have been a real nail biter. But it's just that Razman Lucescu is insisting on the players that won him the double, which was an amazing double as well, undefeated, right? Incredible double. He's insisting on those players. Vierinia, Pascalakis, Varela, Zaba is still there. Uh, Bisesvar is there. You're just insisting on players who are not on the same state they were back then when they won you that double. Plus, they don't have a goalkeeper, which is, they've just been going on for quite a while. And I've been thinking the other day, when was the last time Pauk felt real security between the sticks? 
And personally, I cannot remember anyone after Elias Atmanzidis. I got to be honest. So it's not me dishing, having a go at Pauk. It's just me saying that Pauk actually missed a huge opportunity to take Olbiakos to the ropes. And Olbiakos are damn lucky about the, uh, uh, for those mistakes that Pauk uh, made. It's going to be a very busy uh, rest of the season. I feel like Olbiakos are going to cruise to the title. When it comes to the double, I'm not convinced at all. I feel like Pauk are going to push for that. They always show up when it comes to the Greek Cup. They always show up in matches against Olympiacos, and they're going to play against them at least four more times, I suppose, until the end of the season. Just a lot of things to, to, to think about, a lot of things to ponder, and but we keep seeing the same mistakes. It's just we're not really seeing a development, are we? We've been talking about these things for weeks, haven't we? About the 3-4-3, Madi Camara not, not performing well, um, Pedro Martins, uh, the, the Pedro Martins, and the way he reacts to the results. But I will say this: Thomas Vatslik, man of the match tonight, and Olympiacos are damn lucky to have him on the under squad. Damn we lucky we definitely are. Yeah, definitely are. He did have a couple clutch saves. Many yep. saves, and huge saves tonight. Yeah. Yep. No, it, definitely. And I think you you had said it earlier in our group chat. Like we we seem to <laughs> luckily hit the nail on the head with some of these uh with some of these goalkeepers. So um and perfect timing. We've got Costa Level Yanni here. Welcome, Costa. Oh, Glad to have you. Right, pal. And you're perfect timing too, because uh we're talking about well, at least one player in particular that's a little bit more polarizing than the rest. Uh Bukalakis. Bukalakis and Camara, we were discussing their performances today. How did you see the two of them today? Bukalakis is one of those players that needs to be playing consistent matches. Um, Obviously, he was lacking rhythm. He was doing, you know, what what he does, which is safe, you know, safe passes. But even some of his passing today was um, not accurate. A lot of balls that he just played out wide to no one. I mean, Look, guys. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not really, not really surprised at his performance. Then, in terms of Maddy, who Maddy was actually better than usual this season. Huh? Always talking about this season. Thought he was right. better than usual. There was some, some aggression that I like to see um, for him as well. Some of his passing wasn't as accurate as we've become accustomed to, but. Overall, I thought it was a bit better than what we've seen from him all season. Still not good enough. Still not playing to the standards. But yeah, there are definitely other players on the pitch that I would uh, that I would you know rather focus on in terms of you know who had a bad performance. I mean, Andrutos had an absolute shocker. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned it already. I was listening. Made good runs and got into good positions that you need your wing backs to get into when you play three four three. He just screwed it up. He could have had an assist, a goal in the first 10 minutes. Um, I don't know what Martin sees in training, whether or not he values Lala, but just not good enough. I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the forward runs because Adruzos does overlap way more than Lala does. Um, even though Kenny does it more than he did when he first came last season, Adruzos does make his way forward a lot more. There's more energy there. And Martins does seem to reward effort at least. He has to because otherwise there's not a lot of ex- explanations for what we see in terms of player choices. But I think something that we do see is 
the way he's kind of treated Lala here, he's not 100% convinced. And it's a shame. And it's all it does is further the point that we've mentioned is that we need new fullbacks at, or at the very least a, a, a right back. You know, the, the Kenny Lala signing was not a, it was not a, a major risk. It was kind of a, a mid-level risk when we said, you know, the money wasn't crazy when we got him in. It was a good deal. He statistically looked really good in France. Uh, he was held in pretty high esteem in France. So when he came here, we thought maybe we had somebody that was a good fit as a starter. Plus, Adruzos came off of a season where he looked all right. And we thought he would at least be viable as a super sub in the right back position. It didn't work out. And I think it's probably something that will see us move on. Well, I hope we see us move on at least in the summer. Uh, Costa Llanos, what do you think about that? I don't understand why I keep hearing about strikers, why I keep hearing about midfielders. The whole Zahavi situation, we had it, we, we talked about it. Uh, an amazing player. Maybe he has two amazing years left in the tank, especially for uh, a league like uh, the Super League. But you don't need a striker. You need fullbacks, at least one. You you hit the nail right in the head by saying at least a right back. If, if it's too much to bring two of them, just bring a right back. The Mikhail Karbovnik uh, initiative and experiment obviously has failed. I cannot imagine him staying uh, for any longer at Olympiacos, no matter what Brighton think. Not too sure Brighton are too keen to throw him into the fold for next season. They're probably going to look for another loan fee when it comes to uh, Karbovnik. This, but this is your priority. Go get two fullbacks, one right and one left. Too much, go get a right back. I don't want to hear about a striker. I don't want to hear about a midfielder. I don't want to hear about a winger in the summer transfer window before I hear about a right back. That's that's how I feel. Because Olbiakos have to play play qualifiers again. Their, their season starts in July, if I'm not mistaken. So they have to move really quick. If not right now, then tomorrow morning. It's, this is very serious, especially if you Martin's going to be around for the next two years. If you want to play 3 4 3, you need good fullbacks. You just cannot keep going this way. Either you dump 3 4 3 or you bring in two quality fullbacks or at least one. Can I, I make a more general comment? Because I, I mean, yeah, sure, we're feeling a lot of negativity, I think, in the fan base because the football's been, football's been, let's just say, it, it's been crap like this season. Yeah. And it deteriorated a lot last season as well. And the point that I want to make is that there's a difference between criticizing and just saying everything and everyone is shit. Or at least that's not what we do here. We try and analyze what's going on. We take the time. But I just don't think like this kind of manner of just saying everything and everyone is shit is it's achieving nothing. Um, yes, the club has problems. Yes, the performances have been anything but good. Yes, uh, pharmacies have probably raked in profits from selling eye drops the last month or months. Um, why is Pedro Martins playing a 3 4 3? He's obviously not comfortable playing four at the back. Uh, he's not comfortable with our midfield. When Bukalagis isn't playing, we've talked about this before. Like it or not, he's the best defensive midfielder that we have that does the job that he wants him to do. And when he's not on the pitch, he's not comfortable. And I think Martins has shown over the last four years that he can 
he can develop teams that can play attractive football. We saw that in the first two seasons. He had the players to do that. But we've also seen a Martins that's very, very cynical. Very cynical. Says, I'm going to ditch this notion of playing good football to get a result. And I'm going to go to Leofordos and play three at the back and park the bus. I don't like to see it. I'm going to be very clear. Like I don't like to see it, but it's what it is right now. We're the end of January. We've had a horrible month, horrible month, football-wise, players being away, injuries, COVID again, but we're still nine points clear. Is it because we're good? No, the level of the league is crap. We've talked about that before, but it's a means to an end right now, and we've got to know what we're talking about as well. We're talking about Olympiacos being a club that wants to win the league every year to get into Europe. It's a means to an end the league um it's got to improve and i hope it improves and i've said this before i'm kind of waiting until the end of this season um get through it start again rebuild offload players some players need to go i absolutely agree of course we need a top quality left back a top quality right back in the summer um am i happy with the result today yeah, in the grand scheme of things, we didn't lose. We got a point and things are still moving towards where they should be, which is us winning the league and then starting a very difficult qualification campaign, which, by the way, pre-season starts this year in June, early June, like June 5th, I think they need to get together. And if we play in the yeah. cup, yeah, if they if we play in the cup, the geniuses at Apple decide that there needs to be a gap of two weeks between the end of the league and the cup so they don't go off on holiday. Anyway, I digress. Um, by the way, I found out that the league starts in early August as well this season, if they get the TV rights in place or maybe they <laughs> move things move things back so that they can negotiate and then, you know, end up playing at the end of August anyway. But yeah, those are just some points that I, I wanted to, to throw out there. And yeah, maybe one last point that I didn't understand from today's game is why on earth Gary Rodriguez didn't get on the pitch because he absolutely destroyed Balk in that first game against uh, yeah against Balk at Karaiskaki. He destroyed Villarinha on the left hand side or whoever it was playing left back. I don't I don't understand why he, why he came on and Mario Vrusai, for all the times I've defended him he hasn't he hasn't really done anything like when he's got the opportunity. And Gary Rodriguez had a good Afcon. Why the hell didn't he come on today? Like we, as bad as we were. All you needed was a player like that, or dare I say it, Henry Onyokuru, to get the ball in some space or play one-on-one and, you know, create something on the wing, you know, use the pace, go one-on-one, make something happen. So I was a bit disappointed that 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 change never happened today. It never happened. What were those changes at the end? Nothing, just wasting time. And that, again, speaks to what I said about Martins being a cynic. That's what he is this year. He's a cynic. Just wants the result. Doesn't care about the football. I mean, obviously, this is a this is a podcast that doesn't that doesn't like doom mongering, and uh, I find it to be very obviously. We uh, this is the kind of we give the kind of analysis that's objective. We're not Takis Chukalas, and like I said, you know, after this performance, big ups to Thomas Watzlik. It's huge that this team has a has a goalkeeper that they can feel total security with, uh, especially after losing Jose Sa, who is 
among the best goalkeepers in the Premier League, the third best goalkeeper behind Ederson um, and uh, Eduard Mendy. At least that's what the stats say. Take it or leave it. Uh, from then on, it's all. This is also a podcast that likes to keep um, to keep the team into account. They like to keep the uh, the bar high because uh, this is a club that aims high every season. Winning the league every season is not easy. Winning the double is not easy. Making it to Europe and also continuing in Europe uh, after December is also really difficult for a Greek team. And they've been doing this pretty much every season since 2007. And that is huge. That is something the team needs. And that's something that Greek football needs. I wish Park Panathinaikos and I would do this as well every season. I wish we could have, uh, we could have more teams uh, kicking ass in Europe so that Greek football can uh, elevate itself uh, a couple of steps. From then on, tonight's performance, in my opinion, was what it was. It was disappointing for the fans of Olympiacos. It was disappointing for Olympiacos themselves. It's gonna, it only gets tougher from here on then. There's some big games against Atalanta, which Olympiacos should, not, should at least put up a fight with them. My opinion, either Atalanta go through easily or it will actually be a nail-biter somehow, some way, considering the next game happens at Karaiskaiki. And as I said, next season could be a completely different story unless radical change takes place. Pauk can seriously improve next season. This might not be a cruise next season in Greece. There might be, there might be some drama unless something big changes. That's I my opinion. I yeah, no, I, I I see what you're saying, and and both you and and uh, and other Costa have had made some very good points, very good points about that. Um, now, before we move on to a man of the match and coaches grade, we of course have our uh, our normal ad read from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, roses are red, violets are blue. Do not let a wild pube wreck you. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's time to join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Check out our exclusive offer, G7INTL. Plug that into manscaped.com. Use that. You'll get 20% off and, of course, free shipping, guys. It is a lovely product. Lovely, lovely product. And I got to tell you, Costa's holding it up there. That bright light. I love what Costa said about it the other day. You can use it for PowerPoint. It is so bright. Things get dark in the house. You lose power. You can use it to light up the room. Uh, I also had mentioned before, been hearing lovely things about the body wash. The, the boxer shorts, guys, are so comfortable. My personal favorite. Love them. Fantastic stuff, guys. Don't forget, check out manscaped.com you know what they say in the new year it's a new year new you so please take care of yourselves and don't forget guys use that code g7intl at manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping now that that's out of the way man of the match and coaches grade boys who wants to get started Should we, all try and say, should we all try and say man of the match at the same time? Okay, one, two, three, Vatslik. 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 <laughs> uh, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. I knew we were all going to say that. He did have a, a, a lovely game. Um, and what, what else can you say, especially when there's a draw, you know, or a game where your team doesn't necessarily have the greatest performance, we always say it defaults to the goalkeeper. 
Now, the more interesting thing will be the coach's grade. So, Cosas Lianos, go ahead. C plus. He didn't lose, but the football was awful. He's lucky that Lucescu's football was awful as well. Like I said, Pauk missed a huge opportunity this season. It's just there was nothing there, literally nothing there. Jaeger didn't lose, which usually when they, when he doesn't lose, I give him a B minus, but now it's a C plus because it's just things have to change, man. Things have to change. Uh, quick comment from Tutelatut. The ads make me happier than the performances. Well, you know, I don't know what that says about You're the You're not ads. the only one. <laughs> uh, Costa, what do you got for your coach's grade, man? I agree with everything Costa said. I think, yeah, for me, it's a C or a C plus. I don't like what I'm seeing. Like, of course, we've said it so many times before this season. It's like, I don't like what I'm seeing, but it's a result that, that's good for us. Um, and we keep we keep on we keep on going. I I only hope that it that it can improve. In Greek, they say like some a person like Martins echi astro. I don't know how to quite translate that in in Greek, but can we do it against Atalanta? I don't know. There's like there's maybe a fool's hope. There's a fool's hope. Uh, they lost. They've lost three players. They brought another one in. I think he. I would like to see him embed a system for the rest of the season. I, I'd like to see him stop tinkering. I'd like to. Ju- I'd like to just see him accept that four two three one is is the system that is in the DNA of this club. We just signed a player like Jacques Cavallo. Jacques Cavallo needs to play in that system to thrive. Costas Fortunis. Don't know what shape he's going to come back into. But he fits in that system. It the three four three man. It's not working with these fullbacks. How many times do we have to say it? You guys said it at the start of the show. It's over. Just leave it. Just leave it, man. Play the four two three one. That's what I'm saying to Pedro Martins. Um, yeah, mate, nothing more. And, and for Vachlik, like one thing, we were very skeptical at the beginning of the season about his um, his physical condition, his uh, his injuries, like um, the knees, the waist, everything that we were hearing. But the gambles paid off. Uh, knock on wood if I can find some around here. I've got right here. Yeah, Done. but like <laughs> so, so far, the gamble's paying off. I mean, we... We were very skeptical at the beginning of the season, but my word today, some of the saves, like he had to get down for a couple of the saves. Like, what was it? Um, Ingerson's header in the first few minutes from the corner. And then a shot, I can't remember from who, from outside the box that just bounced right in front of him. Uh, Courage, I think. He made some really good saves today and he was there. Like, And that's really important. Like, And we've said in pr- previous pods, to win the Greek league, you need a good keeper and you need a good striker mainly like school goals somebody that will stop stop you conceding goals when you're not playing well and he did that today and respect like respect to him massive respect and um he's improving too huh like he looks like he's more confident like coming out for balls on crosses so yeah undisputable man of the match and pedro please for the love of god stop playing three at the back yeah 
I I agree literally with everything that you guys have said. I'm not going to repeat uh, what you just said. I just think, uh, you know, this is go- playing away in Tumba. It's tough. It's always going to be tough. I didn't like how we started, but we held on to the result. And uh, so, I mean, all things considered, you know, may- I, maybe I'll say C plus for him, especially because we got the result. Um, Roman always here. <laughs> I think I know always the answer here. to that. Uh, well, for the for the audio listeners, we have Roman Smirnius coming in. Aloha, sexy creatures. Quiz for you. Who was our last coach that used the three four three before Martins? Stretchko Katanich. And there was even less less uh, quality back then. But then again, who who used three four three before Conte at Chelsea? I'm I'm curious. I'm not being ironic. I'm curious. Does anyone know? But then but again, there's he, quality. I thought he used team, three see? five two. He was a three four Ooh. three or three five two that he you, used. Conte. You know, Katanech. Same. Katanech played a three six one. Is that is that right? Yeah. He I don't played remember, a three six one. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was. I, I think yeah. it like. I think it was a game in Europe. I can't remember. I remember it distinctly. Like we really, like he really from, tried to pack the midfield. Game. Three six one. He played that. That's crazy. Maccabi Haifa uh, must have been Maccabi Haifa. Wow. Well, but guys, before we get into our quick transfer roundup, there were a few comments here that I just wanted to quickly address before we uh, moved any further. Uh, let me go. Okay, so for the first one, I thought this was interesting, but we already know the answer to this, so it should be a quick answer from Tutelatut. Uh, if Martins was so keen on the 3-4-3, why is he not giving Yanis Masura a chance, a right back that is able to play in such a formation? Uh, and that this one is pretty easy. We, we've known from some of the issues in the past, but Yanis Masura has been a head case for this club, and Pedro Martins has no tolerance for it. So if you guys remember the loan that he had, he was giving issues to the Larissa coach uh, because, you know, because he plays for Libyakos apparently, and he didn't want to play out of position. So that <laughs> there's behavioral issues. Uh, Roman Katanich, it was, didn't expect that Costa. Well done. Uh, fa- yeah, fantastic Costa. Great memory because I was lost. I had no idea. Um, so that question from Tutu Latut, it's, it's behavioral issues. And Martins doesn't want to deal with it. We've also heard some rumors kind of about that. The same with Gutris. Uh, Martins just has a habit of if he, there's players that have these issues. He ships him off. Chumich was the same. We were hearing that at training over the summer, he was kicking stones in training. Martins kind of was sick of it and kicked them out. So this is, uh, again, these are just rumors that we've heard, but um, that's Yanni, the Yanis Masura thing is we're about 95% sure it's behavior related. Uh, we have another one. Now, this one is interesting. I think this is one that I also brought up in our group chat. This is from Johnny Tzabukas, one of our bloggers. I have a question. If we go unbeaten and win the league, will anyone question Martins? Uh, this Let's quickly do this thought experiment. We don't have to spend too much time. But let's say the season ends. He ends. We win the league. Maybe not the double, but it's an invincible season. What do you, what, what would you think as a fan? Does it matter to you? It's, it's, it's Well, there's a lot of fans that are going to find this very impressive. I'm sure they will. But it's the Greek... Olympiacos shouldn't be shouldn't be targeting that. Do you know how many people abroad in England are talking about Pauk's undefeated uh, double? 
I have no idea. Yeah, I'm assuming not at all. No one. No, nobody's <laughs> talking about it. Olympiacos win the double undefeated. Who cares? No one's going to care if they win it. It's Europe. You cannot stop pushing yourself in Europe. It's such a shame that this improved and developed Olympiacos since 2007. They've been on and off playing in the playoffs in the Champions League or the Europa League every year. And they've never made it to the Europa League quarterfinals. They've never made it to the Champions League quarterfinals ever since 2007. It's great that they keep playing in, uh, in December onwards, but you got to keep pushing yourself. Do you remember what Pauk did when they won the double undefeated in Europe? What they did in Europe? The next season? No wins. No, no, no. Do, do you know what they did in the same season that they won the double? Oh, in the Pauk. same season? No, I, I, honestly, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Exactly, it's... exactly. It's just, it, it, I, I remember I was being asked, who's the greatest champion in Greek, uh, in Greek football history? And because of that, I had to immediately, automatically remove Pauk from the, uh, from the equation. Immediately had to, had, to, had to remove Ike from the equation as well. Because you need someone who also kicked ass in Europe. So I was between Panathinaikos and Olympiakos for that, uh, for that award. I, I, or else it would have been very unfair for Olympiakos and Panathinaikos to be beaten by Ike uh, and or Pauk, no matter how great they were in Greece. It's Greece. It's well, Pauk also league. hasn't, they, they haven't made it into the Champions League group stages even. That's what I mean. You, it's great to win the, the the league undefeated, but no one outside Greece cares. Seriously, no one's gonna care. Right. You gotta push yourself in Europe. We gotta push Greek football in Europe. That's one of the main reasons why the Greek national team sucks right now. I'm not gonna yeah. get it. Go go into this. No, of course, of course. Uh, just one or two more before we go into the transfer roundup. Uh, pulling these up here, I just lost the one that I had. Uh, there was one about Oleg that I wanted to discuss really quickly. Costa uh, would have loved this one. Uh, here, Andrea Saladara. Don't understand how the club has not brought in a left back. It's beyond me. Injuries to Oleg, and then what? We've brought this up. It feels like so many times. You know, it's it doesn't seem sustainable that Oleg can keep playing these this many minutes. He's already played more minutes than. A lot of players play in a full season, and that was at half of a season. So it's just absurd the amount of the amount that he's playing and the level he's playing at, considering that he is literally just being run into the ground. It is absurd. And we, you know, deadline day is coming up tomorrow, yeah. and there is no left yeah. back yet. <laughs> Costa, there's yeah. no left back. Yeah. Uh, maybe that just means Karbovnik is going to be seen over on the left more. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's definitely tough. And I think there was one more comment here uh, that I wanted to get to before we move on to the transfers. If I don't find it, we'll just move. We'll just move straight on. Um, oh, here it is. Spot us. Why can't Pedro just use youth players at left back? I don't think I think this speaks to more about how Pedro values some of them. We heard in the past about Kitsos. We heard that Kitsos was, you know, uh, he was repurposed. He's a winger that was being repurposed as a left back, and he had and he had some uh, interest about him that he could be used as an alternate in some cases. Uh, Apostolopoulos clearly is not up to snuff, or we would be seeing him a lot more. 
But I think in the end, this just show goes to show that Pedro Martins doesn't value the what we have currently at that position in the academy or otherwise. Um, anyway, uh, it, it it is what it is regarding Pavon. I know we brought this up on a previous episode. Uh, and Akos now have some interest in Pavon. Uh, over the summer, guys, remember Pavon had a uh, a really well. Uh, scandalous court case regarding sexual assault. And given the current issues that we have had with our own certain player in that regard, uh, I think the club was just steering clear of that. I don't know how that's gone on, but that's why we didn't pursue Pavon further. Um, anyway, uh, I have pe- we, there's people in here asking about some of the transfer stuff. So let's just go ahead and get right into that. Um, first one. Costa, go ahead. Cantwell. Uh, there's been a lot of questions since we started uh, the episode today about Cantwell. What have you got for us? Well, um, that came out of nowhere. Norwich ace Todd Cantwell has been uh, linked with a move to Olympiacos. Everything that I'm about to say, none of it is exclusive. All of it is based on information that I have uh, read and acquired. So what's going on with Cantwell right now? Olympiacos are among the teams that are looking to sign him on loan until the end of the season. Uh, they are in a bidding war with Bournemouth and Granada, as far as I know right now. Uh, Olympiacos have made a bid, but there's still a huge difference. There's still not a huge difference, but quite a difference between what Norwich are asking and what Olympiacos are willing uh, to offer. What is going on with Pavon in general right now? Uh, under former manager Daniel Fark, he completely fell out of favor. He was uh, demo- demoted to the under-23 side. Upon Dean Smith's arrival and the sa- after the sacking of uh, Daniel Fark, when Dean Smith arrived, he was reinstated into the uh, first team, but he's still been struggling uh, to, um, to find himself and to continue playing at the same level that he was beforehand under, under Fark. And he, he put together some really impressive seasons, a couple of seasons, really impressive. And he was uh, seen as a, as a rising star at the team. Does it make sense for Cantwell to come to Olympiacos? We've said it many times here. Olympiacos are the perfect second chance saloon uh, that you could get in Europe, and we're only talking until the about we're, talk, we're only talking until the end of the season, right here. His contract comes up at the end of the season with Norwich, but there is an option to extend it for a further one more for one more year, further one more year. I think, I think that's uh, I think that's accurate. But from then on, I don't think Cantwell is in the kind of situation and uh, level where he would go to Olympiacos at this point in time. I would be very surprised if he joined Olympiacos. Not too sure what's going on with Bournemouth and Granada, but they sound like much better destinations for him to improve and develop and come back to Norwich and give them what they need. Because let's face it, next year they're going to be in the championship. They're going to need players to help them come back to the Premier League. So are Olympiacos the kind of team that are going to help him find his old self compared to Bournemouth who are playing in the championship, which is still much more competitive than the Greek league. Is it Granada? Well, I'd be very surprised if he joins Olympiacos, if I'm being honest. Yes. Uh, I think we all would. Uh, the information, most of the information that we have is it's uh, not likely. We'll just say to say the least, uh, it would be great to have him. I think, I think he would do well, but I don't think it's, a scenario that is very likely uh there has been i don't know if it's the same person that's posting it or asking about uh db Kieta and dabo um 
Uh, DB Kieta, I believe, has signed already, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think so as young, well. I think, so as well. I think that has already happened. Now, Daba was one that kind of came up out of nowhere. Um, so he... Uh, oh, someone has already brought it up here. Tasos Tassam, 15 appearances with France's youth national team, has played in the championship and Primera Division. Uh, there's also people I see asking about some deep dives or analysis. So, guys, the, the Fadiga deep dive is done. We're going to be uh, posting that soon. Then there's a Carvalho one that's going to be coming out as well. Um, we're finishing up the analysis with that. And then once we finish kind of compiling with our notes, we'll make the deep dive on that. Um, with DB Kieda, there isn't a lot of, I don't like to do, I, I know I did it with King Gwei, a really brief one, but I don't like to do deep dives when they don't have, when the player doesn't have any senior team appearances, because what goes on at the academy level when you're playing against other kids is completely different than what goes on at the professional level against men. So you, you don't know exactly, you can see some things about the player, but you don't know exactly, uh, it's just a lot more difficult to figure out what things will stick and what things will not. Um, but I will check out, uh, at the very least, Dabo, um, and, you know, we'll see. I mean, if there's a lot, if there's first team appearances, I'll do one. If not, you know, we'll see what happens. And then if, if anything else happens, I will continue to do those until the end of uh, the transfer window, of course, get those deep dives out for you guys. Um, then, uh, there was also a rumor about Kunde. Pierre Kunde was rumored, uh, to be, uh, getting sold. I believe it's to Italy. And there's a figure that's being asked by Olympiacos for 7 million euros for Pierre Kunde. Costa, how likely do you think it is that we sell Pierre Kunde for anywhere close to 7 million euros? Well, I mean, especially mid-season, I, w- I would think it'd be quite, and especially right now when the, the, the transfer window slams shut tomorrow, I'd find it very surprising if you let mid-season. It would be quite a questionable decision from the club, especially when we just dis- discussed how Bukalakis is your best decision for defensive midfield. I've also heard about Henry Onyekuru being linked back to uh, Turkey, and there was uh, Istanbul Basak Sehir, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if um, either one of them left mid-season tomorrow at the uh, transfer deadline day, especially now that Kunde is at the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, and that means that uh, his uh, his price should go up because of that uh, those performances. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think, uh, I think they're going to stay until the end of the season at least. Yeah. Um, it's definitely very interesting. I can't imagine that we would get uh, about I don't think we would get seven million for him to be to be honest for you. Um, there's another oh there's a question here about uh, Kirill Despadov from Johnny. Has there been any confirmed moves for Despadov? I'd sell Henry and get him. I believe it also might have been Basaksi here. Somebody apparently already offered uh, Ludogorets five million for him. Um, so it's very interesting. Uh, another comment from Muscarius here. It'll be a shame if we let Kunde go. He's much more than what we've seen from him. We're going to regret this. Uh, we really haven't seen much of him. I, I still remember, I think it was sometime in uh, like late September, early October, we were getting a bunch of substitute appearances from him, and he looked lively with a lot of energy, covering a lot of mm-hmm. ground, and then it just kind of, uh, we didn't really see him, and now he's kind of being seen as a, a coat, just another coat that's passed through the team uh, by a lot of people. Um, but other than that, I think that's, 
I, I, as well. I do think that as well. Uh, and then one last point going on from the, the Kunde thing. In, in an ideal situation, for me at least, if Kunde does move on, the ideal situation for me is he moves on, we sell him, and then we promote Sorlis. And then we see Sorlis maybe making some more. That would be for me personally. I rate, it's no secret to most of you, I rate Sorlis uh, very highly. I think he has what it takes to play for Olympiacos for the first team. I think he has what it takes, and I want to see him given that opportunity to see what he actually does with it. But again, that's me personally, and that would be my ideal scenario if we were to sell Kunde. Uh, but then, of course, uh, we have uh, um, Mamadou Kane coming from Nefji, and he's in. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. You're obsessed with him. I am not obsessed with him. I, I like him <laughs> as a player. God, chat coming at me already. It's never, it never, never fails. Well, boys and girls, it is about that time. We are going on about an hour here. I swear we we always feel like we're going to keep these like 30, 40 minutes and then it goes on. It get, Time gets ahead of us, you know, Costa. But uh, we'll anything else? Any, yeah, we'll try our best. Anything, you got anything else uh, that you want to tell anyone before we before we get moving? Keep watching us, guys. We're close to uh, a thousand subscribers here. Uh, keep following us. Uh, I, uh, I can, I do not know personally anywhere else where you're going to get uh, more exclusive, objective, and analytical info about your favorite team of Olympiaco and is a big player in Europe every year ever since 2007. Uh, Keep supporting the channel, guys, and you're going to be getting some great, great content and a lot of fun content. We're working on that as well. And a lot of uh, interactive fun content with you. So watch that space. Absolutely, guys. Like Costa said, please, we are, last I checked, we were only like maybe a dozen subs off of a 1,000. Uh, so please, guys, if you haven't hit that subscribe button already, please do so. Follow us on social media. This community continues to grow. It is fantastic. I mean, there are Olympiacos fans everywhere, guys, and we're bringing them all together the best we can, especially for the diaspora. Thank you so many of you that have been here, many of you since day one. Uh, I, You know, uh, Sparos is a guy I've seen here for a long time. Eleftherios Mahinis. Guys, thank you so much for sticking around. Roman, these are just the guys I'm mentioning. I know I'm missing a few, but... Thank you guys for continuing to stick with us, bringing people here. Like, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Keep an eye on this space for more content to come. The Olympiacos DC stuff is coming out. Like I said, boys, documentary style. Get to know some of these young players. There is, it's not confirmed yet, but there is a possibility one of them could make their way to Greece and perhaps be a part of some piece of Olympiacos, whether it's the B team or one of the younger teams in the academy. We'll know more as the season progresses, but check that space out. Also check out those videos that are coming out from Martins, as well as the Fadiga Deep Dive and Carvalho, which will be later this week. And as always, guys, this is Gate 7 International, and we will see you next time. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. 
We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city, and our story. Thrilos, he said. Στο μυαλό κάτι μαγικό.